0: Welcome to episode 225 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast, take two. Uh, oh, it's never good. This, it's never as good the second
1: time around. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm
0: sorry. Oh yeah, but people need to hear that. So, I am your host, Patrick Grayhill, but you can call me Patsy, the Angry Nerd, and uh, we are here in the bowels of Magenta Manor, uh, bowels in or bowels out, uh, in the Pat Cave and uh, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee as we are part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. And uh, I am not here by myself. No, of course not. I am joined by the Clarice Starling to my Hannibal the Cannibal. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the... Queen of the monsters and an honorary Lizzie, as well as the Michael Phelps of wine. Almost forgot that one because I got thrown off. It's Ashes von Nightmare.
2: Hello, Clovis.
0: That's the absolute. <laughs> have s- the
2: lab stopped screaming, Clovis. Oh,
0: no, I seem to have been caught in a wood chipper. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is that <laughs> voice?
2: Hello, hello, <laughs> hello, <laughs> Claus. Have it, the lion stop screaming?
0: Hannibal Meatwad? Like, what the fuck
2: is <laughs> that? Like, what? How's that with Milton Scott Phillips?
0: Milton oh and I
2: God. are snuggling on the inside.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah, so as uh, you can tell by that, we today are going to be discussing uh, Hannibal Lecter.
2: Oh, it's his liver with some fava beans and a nice plantle. That's
3: the absolute.
0: You know, all right. So I want to let you guys in on a little secret. We had to re-record the beginning because she was doing a different voice, but her microphone wasn't on, so we lost about three minutes. Solid and it was, gold. It was really good. This is almost <laughs> as good, but there was a Muppet routine that that ended up happening. Animal uh, Lecter is a Muppet. Yeah, because she's like hi everybody <laughs> it's so terrible I'm
3: going and she's like Yay. that was a great
0: Hannibal Lecter and I was like yeah if he was a fucking Muppet and it's like well hello Clarice today we're going to learn about the letter C do you know any words that start with C that you could use in a sentence and she could be like I can smell your cunt and you could be like I see I myself cannot. <laughs> so those are a lot of C words, including the word C, which does not, in fact, start with the letter C.
2: Okay, now, and... and, and Full disclosure. Why would... Oh, What? Why would... If anyone's the serial killer in this relationship, it's going to be me. It's we already went
0: through this when your microphone wasn't on, so I was the only one who got to hear you. Uh, and the reasoning I gave was... Uh, first of all, I'm creepy and weird, and you said something about Ted Danson not being that weird. Ted
2: Bundy. Ted guy. Bundy wasn't that weird.
0: The same. Yeah, he was.
2: But I mean, like, he didn't appear to be weird. I don't appear to be weird until you meet me or you listen to the you show. You have
0: two different colored hair and no eyebrows.
2: Hello, Clarice. <laughs> But no, we
0: we established the fact that in this in this specific situation, if anyone is the cannibal, it's me because you are a vegetarian.
3: I'm a vegisaurus.
0: That's the worst cannibal. That's even worse. That's. Like <laughs>
3: That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> but no, Hello, we are. Uh,
2: Clarice. Well uh, a little
0: better. I mean, we're we're discussing Hannibal. Uh we're gonna be touching mostly on Anthony Hopkins' portrayal, getting a little bit into the books. Uh we're not really gonna focus on the T V show, like we're gonna uh we'll have a little bit about that because it helps illustrate yeah. a couple of points.
2: We will do a show dedicated to Mads Mickelson's portrayal mm. at a later date because I feel like that there there's so much to talk about already. To try to keep it in a um, confined,
0: yeah, like there's- time
2: <sighs> restraint. You know, like we could we could talk about Hannibal f- for. A, I could do
0: a three-hour w- episode I mean, like, by myself.
2: I feel like you could probably do an entire podcast series dissecting the character of hannibal lecter oh yeah probably the, between the books and the different films and the tv shows so we're gonna spare you we're only going to talk about anthony hopkins sir anthony hopkins excuse me his portrayal and how it pertains to the books a little bit
0: and like i said there will be a little bit of the show stuff just because like there are a couple of slight differences and tweaks because uh even as we see in the movies um there's a lack of continuity and consistency, especially where if you're not familiar with how this, how this movie series goes, uh, the first book by Thomas Harris is Red Dragon, which was originally adapted in 1986 by Michael Mann as the movie Manhunter. And it was 85% true to the book, but the 15% that they took out was a huge uh, loss and especially the ending because they fuck the ending up. Uh in 1991 Silence of the Lambs came out. And that was the sequel and uh most people had not seen Manhunter. Uh but obviously I feel like
2: that's probably for the best. It's
0: it's terrible. I recently rewatched it. Like we just rewatched all all three of these Red Dragon, Silence and uh Hannibal but I had rewatched all five movies, including Manhunter and Hannibal uh, Rising, recently, uh, a couple months back. And Manhunter just, it, it wasn't any better than when I saw it about 20 years ago. It just, it wasn't that, it wasn't a good movie. Like there were some good performances, uh, which we'll, we'll touch on a little bit. But uh, So Silence of the Lambs came out on Valentine's Day, 1991, great oh. date movie. And uh, if you listen to the uh, the show tomorrow, the Loudest Sports Show, uh, you'll hear Dan talk about how he took a date to a movie that he thought was going to be full of jump scares, and it was not. And so the date didn't go well, and I told him that's because uh, he took the wrong girl to see House of a Thousand Corpses. So... Uh, that's just uh, that's his misfortune, um, but he
2: should have just gone by himself.
0: I mean, that's I don't know who he took. I'm just saying, at that point, uh, it was the wrong girl because you know if you can't appreciate a, a masterpiece such as that, yeah, yeah whatever. Um, and then uh, so that was Valentine's Day, 1991. Almost 10 years to the day, the sequel Hannibal came out, February 9th, 2001, and I really enjoyed that. The fall, And that was uh, Ridley Scott who directed that one. Uh, Jodie Foster did not come back to reprise her role. Uh, instead, it went to Julianne Moore, who I thought was excellent. Um, and the following year, they readapted Red Dragon and branded it as Red Dragon uh, with Ed Norton and... Uh, Harvey Keitel as uh, Will Graham and Jack Crawford, so I thought that was uh, that was good. I enjoyed that, uh, but it's weird having the last movie made be the first in the series. So it's like, oh, we have to have, you know, this, you know, yeah, but that's that's young that's, Hannibal Lecter.
2: Excuse me, that's something that is happening more frequently now. You well, know. Not so much. I mean, it, it, but it does happen. It, it does. It's, it's not unheard of at this point.
0: But it's it's weird to have the same act, like when the uh, when the Exorcist prequel came out with uh, Alexander Skarsgård. He was actually, it was supposed to be young. He was supposed to be young Father Marin. But he was actually 10 years older than Max von Sydow was in the original Exorcist, even though it came out almost 30 years later, which I thought was funny. But, you know, you have Anthony Hopkins at this point. Uh, I mean, it's only 11 years. You know, He was 11 years older, but he was in his 70s at that point, as opposed to being in your 60s. And, like, once you get to a certain age, you tend to... Age a little quicker. You know, like thirty to forty isn't the same as sixty to seventy.
2: I mean uh, but like but is it though for some people they just don't age.
0: He was able to pull it off, but like he definitely
2: but there's did the, not have the, the same magic body of makeup.
0: Yeah, but it was his
2: prosthetic he
0: was thinner and sleeker.
2: And CGI.
0: Yeah, well they didn't need it for this. But uh it did allow him to really play on the ferocity of Hannibal uh, because we get to see him in his original state. So I, I think that was uh, especially out of captivity before he was captured the first time, which I really enjoyed. But that kind of got us thinking uh, for this week's Getting It to Character question, where we would like to see some of these characters in, you know, in pop culture, in real life. So I posed the question... Because the first one's going to be obvious, and we're going to obviously use Hannibal for it, but where would you like to see some of your favorite villains in reality shows? So I obviously said that uh, I think Hannibal should do, like, one of those Beat Bobby Flay challenges where you have to cook against him because he is a gourmet So like an
2: Iron Chef type thing? Yeah,
0: like an Iron Chef. And uh, if you win, you get to leave and uh you know, you're okay. Live. But if you if you if you lose, <laughs> if Hannibal beats you, if the judges decide that Hannibal beats you, uh you will be the special ingredient the following week. Um although I feel like the judges might be too afraid. I mean what they could do is they could do like Zoom meetings, like remote judges, like so their 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 identities are hidden, they're in a different place. No one will know who they are.
2: Or I mean, you could do like a, a top chef type thing where Hannibal is, what the hell, why am I blanking on his name right now?
0: I forget. Yeah, I know you're talking about the guy with the glasses where he's like the judge.
2: No, not the guy with the glutton. That you're thinking of, um... Chopped. Chopped. Yes. No, the guy who yells a lot, Gordon oh Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay, yeah. Where Hannibal's like Gordon Ramsay, but Hannibal doesn't judges. yell. Judges, well, he doesn't have to yell.
0: No, he he wouldn't yell, he, but he'd he would be reprimand
2: like, you in other ways. And then if you lost, you would become the next week's ingredient.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different spins you could put on this, but like either way, I think uh, it would be tough finding volunteers. Like you'd have to be very confident. I think I shall. Flay Bobby what a convenient name you know like that, that'll that be fun um, so what are, what are some that you came up with
2: uh, John Kramer as the host of Double Dare
0: oh my god yes like I'd that. like to
2: take a phys- the physical challenge uh, I would not I'd like, like the physical <laughs> challenge would you like to play a game
0: <laughs> like <laughs> that would be the worst physical challenge
2: live or die make your choice you have been
0: injected with a venom <laughs> The key to your salvation is at the end of this obstacle course. Right. Grow blindly in a, in a vat of baked beans until you find the antidote. Careful, there's several syringes in there. Right. You have 60 seconds, go. The
2: key to your salvation, salvation. is hidden up in the boogers of this giant nose. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There'd be some interesting things for the kids, too.
2: Mommy, I don't want to play this game anymore. (laughs) Some guy
0: has to cut off his foot. It's like, you won the home copy of Double Dare. I would like to have uh, the Riddler on Jeopardy. Because I think you know he could replace Alex. Riddle Trebek. me
2: this, Alex Trebek.
0: Well, no, he would he would be Alex Trebek.
2: Oh, he would be Alex Trebek. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like he wouldn't be playing <clears throat> Jeopardy. So
2: instead of saying who is to your answer, <laughs> you riddle me this.
0: Every category is like some ridiculous, ridiculous clue, and if you don't get it in time, you explode. Like Batman comes in and kicks the shit out of him once an episode. Uh, what else you got?
2: Uh, Ghostface on The Bachelor.
0: Oh, that's a good one. I
2: mean, he's always asking all these great questions. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite scary movie? See,
0: that's not bad. That's not a bad impression of Ghostface. I mean, like you don't have the bass in your voice that Do he has with the to voice. Do today?
2: Well, he's also using a vocoder, so.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like you don't have the voice chat. I'm just,
2: I'm just trying to use my my vocal fry.
0: Vocal fry.
2: Vocal fry.
0: What the hell is a vocal fry?
2: Vocal fry, when you kind of go down into the lower registers. Oh, and I thought you were like, like that. wind up. No. Not <laughs> See, vocal fries? I've never had fry. those kinds before.
0: I've had potato fries. but um, Yeah, like those would be good ones. I think somebody like uh, um, one of the bad guys from uh, Indiana Jones hosting legends of the hidden temple (laughs) like that would be awesome but like you have to go through and like they're real traps like instead of like oh like some random guy jumped out and he got you it's like oh boulder crushed you oh the spikes jumped out and impaled you now you're dead like that would be fun you know like combining indiana jones with legends of the hidden temple
2: well, that's kind of what it's based on to begin with.
0: Yeah, but A like... A little bit. Oh, no, I fell down and landed in foam. Go, no. silver
2: monkeys!
0: You fell... I thought it was purple... No, purple carrots.
2: Purpl- purple pur- pur- purple, monkey... I forget.
0: Purple monkey dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> Skinner so the teachers will crack any second purple monkey dishwasher. Huh! We'll show him, especially for that purple monkey dishwasher remark. Um... But yeah, if you guys, uh, do you have any other ones?
2: Or like a like a Cruella Deville on one of those the fashion shows? Oh my god! Losing <laughs> oh, the puppy ball.
0: <laughs> yes. You better adopt this one, or he's gonna be shoes.
2: <laughs> Loser becomes a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I was going to say one of those, like, fashion shows, like Project Runway or something. Oh, they
0: could play them back to back.
2: <laughs> Do you need more? Yeah. <laughs> one leads right into the other. Oh. A two-part series. Oh.
0: Like a RuPaul's Drag Race, but hosted by Buffalo Bill.
2: Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Would you fuck me? Uh, prepare. I, fuck r-
0: me. R- r- I hope you prepared your lip sync.
2: Every time, it's goodbye, horses! <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that song. It's good.
2: You, Chante, you stay slash a away.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, what would he say? Oh, that would be. I have to think about that now because now he's gonna be like. Losers um, are
2: contributed to his human suit.
0: Yeah. Well, in the in the book. Uh, Hannibal liter- literally says he wants a suit with tits on it, and like we get to see that in the in the uh, movie, it's on the uh, dress mold.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's like one of those blink and you'll miss it type things, but there, there is one in there. Uh, yeah, very. Uh, yeah, what would he say? That's jean James Day, precious. Oh. You do not get to put the lotion in the basket.
2: Yeah. That's kinda <laughs> lame. Yeah, I don't know. He doesn't really have a catchphrase, so it doesn't doesn't really work. Well, I
0: mean, other than oh, is he a great big fat person? Like that's that's the closest he gets. Sure no, is that his phone. natural
2: speaking voice? Ted or Levine, that, yeah. Really? That's how he talks?
0: Yeah, that's I mean he he changed it a little bit, but he has that deep voice, uh if you Watch uh, Joyride. Kind of
2: sounds like Kermit the Frog. <sighs>
0: sort of, but like his backstory in the books is like or we could do a whole. That's the worst. That's the worst Kermit slash Buffalo Bill I've ever heard. Uh, but his backstory is pretty pretty tragic as well. Kind of like Francis Dollarhide. He had a very similar uh, backstory and upbringing. But you know, we could do a whole episode just on Buffalo Bill based on like. Based on the case evidence, um, but yeah, uh, Ted Levine. If you watch uh, Joyride, with that had Paul Walker and Steve Zahn, and I think Lily Sobieski. I don't know. I've only seen it once years ago. He's like the menacing voice that comes over the CB radio. Uh, also, he plays the dad in the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. And for those of you who watched the show a lot, because I know my mom did, and I. When I told her that he was on it, she was like, "That's not him." Uh, he was on Monk with Tony Shalhoub, like.
2: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah.
0: I was like, "Holy shit!" Do you know who that guy is? She goes, "Yeah, that's like the chief or whatever, like the guy that he reported to." I was like, "That's Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. That's Ted Levine." Uh, but if you listen to him, like it's it's not too far off from his voice, you know, kind of like how uh anthony hopkins normal speaking voice isn't too far off from hannibal lecter and we'll get into uh how he made that voice like the conscious choice he made to uh get into character so ins- to speak
2: the inspiration yes. behind his vocal yeah. choices which yes. is very
0: interesting i thought uh but that's that's what we think for uh <clears throat> for some for our getting into character some of our uh villains we'd like to see on different uh on different shows What do you think? Let us know at throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com, and we will be right back.
1: Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks, too, and deadly serious about our brew.
3: Have you ever been curious about the UFO phenomenon, but unsure of where to start? Have you ever wondered about just what crashed at Roswell? Have you ever wanted common sense advice about licking UFOs? The answers don't. Then check out the Our Strange Skies podcast, where we dive into America's rich UFO history and uncover what these sightings say about ourselves. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and most podcast apps, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to look up because you never know what you'll find in our strange skies. In Grey, we trust. Dear
1: Doctor, I have admired you for years. I wanted to tell you I'm delighted that you've taken an interest in me. I don't believe you'll tell them who I am. Besides, the important thing is what I am. Becoming. I have some things I'd love to show you. Until then, I remain your most avid fan.
3: Two families killed a month apart in their homes. These attacks were highly organized. The victims carefully chosen. This one is gonna go on and on.
1: That's the same atrocious aftershave you wore in court. I need your advice, Dr. Lecter. If you recall, well, our last collaboration ended rather messily. How is young Josh and the lovely Molly? They're always in my thoughts, you know. So it's true the Lecter's is actually helping with your investigation?
3: We may have a little over three weeks before this freak does it again.
1: I might not have time. I do. I have oodles. You wanna know how he's choosing them, don't you? This is a very shy boy, Will. I know what it's like to have people always thinking that you're different. He is refining his methods. He is evolving.
3: What am I doing here?
1: No one will ever be safe
3: around you, Will. A note hidden in Lecter's cell. The killer wants Lecter to answer him through the personal columns.
1: Gave him your home address. Hi, I'm a friend of your father's. Open your eyes. No, I am the dragon. Give me what I need. Before me, you tremble. I'll call you if I think of anything else. Would you perhaps like to leave me your home number? Lee Not yet, sir.
3: He's past the others. The
1: last cell. I'll be watching. You'll do fine. A killer is on the loose. Keeps them alive for three days. Then he shoots
2: them, skins them, and dumps them.
1: A rookie FBI agent is on his trail. He's got
2: real physical strength, cautious,
1: precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop. But in order to track him down, she'll have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clary. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. ...with the darkest of all minds. Just do your job, but never forget what he is. But he's a monster. Pure psychopath so rare to capture one alive so close to the way you're going to catch him do you realize that oh clarice your problem is you need to get more fun out of life
3: you told me you don't spook easily you call this easy sir
2: left missing and arm.
3: man's a raving maniac who knows what he'll do
0: And we are back. Thank you for uh, sticking around. I hope you enjoyed that uh, initial getting into character question. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, and now it's time, as they say, for the main event. Uh, this is a character that I've been looking forward to covering for quite some time. He's one of my favorite characters uh, of all time. Not just uh, you know because of who he is, but because of the characters that uh, he's surrounded with. And I think that's something that when you have a good character, um, you have to have good supporting characters as well.
2: So my question to you is, why do you love this character so much? Because this is a a character that you have spoken about quite highly of, you know... For the longest time since I've known you. Mm -hmm. And to the point where we have revisited these films a couple of times. You know, Red Dragon, obviously Silence of the Lambs, and then Hannibal. Not released in that order, but that is definitely an order in which you can watch them. It's probably the
0: best order to watch them because it tells the story chronologically. Um, Although it's weird, Silence of the Lambs came out first because Manhunter came out in 1986. And Manhunter was uh, not great um it uh it had some it had a good cast. Um it had Brian Cox from uh well you know him from X Men and um uh he played the Dad in the Ring. Uh, he's been in a bunch of other stuff too, but Brian Cox was Hannibal Lecter.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: William Peterson from CSI Las Vegas was or not Las Vegas. Was it Las Vegas? I was one of the first CSI guys. He played uh Grissom in uh, whatever version. That's
2: just yeah, it's Las Vegas, but it was just CSI.
0: CSI, but they were in they were in Vegas, okay. right? Uh, he was Will Graham, which who was later played by uh, Ed Norton in Red Dragon, because Red Dragon is the the novel upon which uh, um, um, Manhunter was based, and uh, Tom Noonan, the uh, famed character actor, uh, if you ask Andre Gower. Um, what it was like to work with tom Noonan, he'll tell you he doesn't know he only knows what it's like to work with frankenstein's monster because tom Noonan is very much a method actor and stays in character all the time which i imagine for that film would be crazy because he was uh, francis Dollarhide, the main uh, antagonist uh, played in red dragon the 2002 version of red dragon by uh, ray fines who you might know as uh, Voldemort. They um, also had uh, Dennis Farina as Jack Crawford. Dennis Farina was also uh, part of the Law and Order crew. He was uh, Jesse L. Jesse Green. I always wanted to call him Jesse L. Spencer, and that was <laughs> the guy from House. Um, the guy from Rent. That what what is his name? Jesse
2: what do you mean the guy he was in Rent Rent.
0: and he was in uh, Law and Order with Esipatha Markerson and he uh, Dennis Farina was in there as well Um, I'll have to look up his name Um, but he was he was in it uh, he was in that um, you also might know him as uh, Cousin Avi in uh, Snatch Um, and trying to think who oh uh, Stephen Lang who I love, you'll know him from uh, as the main bad guy in Avatar and uh, the blind man in, uh, um, not Lights Out, what the hell is that? Don't breathe. Don't breathe. Uh, Stephen Lang played Freddie Lowndes, who was eventually played by uh, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman in Red Dragon. It's weird. Yeah, so Silence came out first after the uh the critical disaster that was um Manhunter. It was also they changed the ending of the of the story. Like they adapted some things but didn't adapt enough. I felt as opposed to the adaptation of uh Red Dragon uh with uh, uh Ed Norton and mary louise parker and and um harvey keitel as as jack crawford uh i was telling ashes when we were watching him like one of the the scenes where dollar Hyde takes uh his his lady friend there uh played by emily watson to see a, a tiger that had been sedated And she, like, gets to run her hands all over. And in the novel, she specifically, like, stops and, like, feels the tiger's balls. And, like, they left that in in the actual film, which I was like, that's an odd thing to leave in. I mean,
2: clearly they touch base on the important stuff.
0: Yeah, like, we want to be true to the novel. Like, how true? I'm like, well, I'm going to need you to fondle a tiger's balls. Can do. I'm Emily Watson, and I'm awesome. Um, But yeah, it's... it's, I always want to call her Mary Jane Watson. That's Spider-Man's girlfriend. Um, Hannibal is a character that you get to see... Because I read the books. Obviously, I saw Silence of the Lambs first. And then I I was like, oh, I want to read the books. So I I found out that there was a a prequel. Uh, I bought the movie Manhunter watched it once, let someone borrow it, never asked for it back because it was just that bad. Um and that was close to twenty years ago. I did rewatch it because I did a rewatch of the entire series, including Hannibal Rising, um a couple of months back. Uh and I still hate Manhunter to this day. Like it's it's not good. Uh despite the cast, you know, doing I guess their best. Um <sighs>
2: they did their best like, it just it wasn't
0: <laughs> it was not a good adaptation I will say I liked uh, 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 um, Tom Noonan as as Francis Dollarhyde and I liked um, Stephen Lang as Freddie Lowndes uh, I thought William Peterson did a good job of being kind of like shaky and jittery uh, someone who had been mentally broken by what he went through with Hannibal Lecter Um, Hannibal, when you're introduced to him in Red Dragon, he is assisting the FBI uh, uh, try to catch a serial killer. Like, if you've watched the show, which we're not really going to touch on, like, it really expands upon that. But uh, Hannibal was basically helping the FBI and giving them enough information to be helpful and stay on the case... Of the murders he was committing.
2: Which is so smart, (laughs) by the way.
0: (laughs) He is, he's one of those characters, like, you find out, I think it's in Hannibal, which was the third novel, that he was able to trace his ancestry to the Marquis de Sade. Like, Hannibal grew up, like, his parents were, like, they were uh, uh, Lithuanian, I believe, but they weren't, um, they were like super rich, like part of the aristocracy. They lived in a fucking castle. And you get to see some of that in Hannibal Rising. You get to see some of that backstory where you learn why Hannibal is a cannibal. You find out most of this in uh, in Hannibal um, because his sister was uh, like chubby little thing. She was younger than him. And... During World War One, their uh, their home was invaded, and they tried to escape to the country, but they were tracked down. Their parents were killed, and there were some uh, like a group of soldiers that ended up killing and eating his sister. And like one of his most vivid memories was his sister's teeth in the stool pit. Uh, And that was brought up multiple times. And Hannibal Rising was kind of all about him tracking each one of them down and killing them one by one. But he was. uh, He's such a complex, nuanced character. Like, where the Joker has gotten to this point, like, because that's the only one I can compare him to where there's just this so many different layers, and every time you think you know what's going on, like you really don't, but the Joker's had 80-plus years of backstory and dozens, if not hundreds, of different, you know, writers contributing to all these different storylines and, you know, like alternate worlds and what-if timelines and all kinds of crazy shit. Um, I still think Hannibal is the the greatest TV, uh, cinematic villain because... He's got everything that you would want. He's sophisticated. He's he's his intelligence is immeasurable.
2: Like he's very well spoken. He very speaks, well versed.
0: He speaks like twelve languages. When Clarice first meets him in the book, he is sketching his right hand. Or he's sketching his left hand. And it's like he's beyond skilled as an artist and we get to see some of his art in the film. And then he has to switch and he loses no skill whatsoever, switching to his left hand to sketch his right. Like he's ambidextrous. He is described as, uh, by Thomas Harris in the, the novels as pound for pound being as strong as an ant. He's so powerful. He's so strong. Uh, he actually gets taunted a couple of times uh while in dr chilton's care um saying that you know once your your teeth fall out of your head and your fabulous strength is all gone you're just going to be passed around you know by these younger these younger inmates that are just going to pass you around and have their way with you you know chilton is way more of like He's a pompous asshole, but he's way more of a dick in the books. Um, Like, to give you an idea of how intelligent Hannibal is, he has multiple uh, alternate identities, any number of which would survive an audit by the IRS, and that's specifically mentioned in Hannibal. In Hannibal, when he flees to Florence, he's able to escape in St. Louis by checking into a specific hospital that is, or or a hotel near a hospital that is for um, patients who are undergoing reconstructive surgery. So he's able to just wrap his head in bandages so people can't recognize him and walk around and do whatever he wants because he blends in perfectly, even though he's got bandages all over his face, because that's what people expected in that area. He's then able to fly, uh, I believe he to Ar- uh, flied, flew to Argentina, because in the book he has uh, six fingers on his left hand, much like a certain count in uh, a certain uh, fairy t- princess fairy tale. Um, and... When he goes to Florence, he is. He goes to a church because he had contingency plans everywhere. He goes into a church and there is a suit of armor in the church. Um, like, I might be getting this. It's been a long time since I've read it. But he goes into. He lifts up the visor and inside the helmet of this suit of armor is like just stacks of money like passport like all these different like IDs and things he just reaches in grabs them that's all like he put that there decades earlier knowing that he was going to um you know in case something ever happened
2: like he's one of those people who are intelligent beyond compare like you really can't find something to compare him to he's because literally he's, so not only is he book smart he is a well-versed well-read psych- psychiatrist yes um you know dr lector so he's gone through all of this schooling and he's so smart to the point where the fbi comes to him to use him for, you know all of these profiling and what have you mm-hmm. to come to to him for advice as to you know help me get into the the mind of this killer you know who are we looking for you know what are what are the motives behind this and um, but he's but he's just smart like, they, so not only is he book smart but he's just really smart and you can tell that in the way that he presents himself he's even clever. when clever yes yes very like like clever beyond belief sometimes
0: like there is it's it borders on extrasensory perception sometimes yes. like he's got this ability to look at you and like the, I was telling you the the part from the book where uh, Silence of the Lambs uh, Jack Crawford's wife is battling cancer and she eventually passes away and you know Clarice knows about this because she's kind of close with Star with uh, um, Crawford, and after this happens, she had to go back and talk to Hannibal, and like the next day or two days later, whatever, she's giving her report to Crawford. Crawford says, "Did you say anything about my wife?" And she goes, "No, I would. Why would I say something about your wife to Hannibal Lecter?" He's like, "I, you know, I'm just just checking," and Crawford has. In his hands, a note from Hannibal saying, I'm so sorry about Bella, Jack.
2: But, like, that's what's so crazy about... Dr. Lecter is he has this ability he's he's studied people for so long that he has this ability to pick up on these little tiny nuances that nobody else would be able to pick up on. You can think that you're hiding something super well like no one's going to catch on and the average person may not catch on to you know who you are or what you're doing, how you're presenting yourself, but he can pick up on it.
0: It's like those people that present themselves as psychics because Call good at, in now. <laughs> because they're good at cold reading. Like they can read the little ticks that you make, you know, the involuntary, you know, dilation of your pupils or like a. Heavy. Twitch.
2: Yeah, your breathing gets a little bit heavier. Your, you know, uh, tone of your voice. Yeah, they pick you know, up on
0: everything
2: yeah yeah every every they're just really good at reading people i mean don't get me wrong i do believe uh, that there are psychics and mediums and what have you mm -hmm. out there but i believe that half of them are just really good at reading people
0: right and reading
2: the room so to speak. like you make
0: a generalized statement see how the person reacts and based on that reaction you can delve deeper into your questioning um speaking of law and order there was a uh, uh, martin short played a guy like that you know, and he was talking about, you know, he's talking to uh, Olivia, uh, Mariska Hargitay, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a psychic. And he's, like, getting all this stuff from him, And she's just sitting there with her face completely impassive. And she's like, how how did he know this and this and this? And B.D. Wong, who played uh, a psychiatrist on, on that show, you know him as uh, Henry Wu from the Jurassic franchise – I told her like, there's specific things that you cannot control that are, you know, again, your your eye dilation, you know, the, the way certain things on your face twitch. Oh, that's
2: why when you're hooked up for a lie detector test, they hook you up, they strap you up, they have wires connected to certain parts of you. But the person conducting the lie detector test is also looking at you, mm-hmm. looking for specific cues right. that will happen. If you're lying, because typically if you're lying, especially in that position, you're under a lot of stress, so you're going to have some of those nervous ticks that you're not completely, fully aware about. So
0: if I said to you, I said, what did I get you for Christmas three years ago? What did I get you? I'm asking you. So mm-hmm. you look up and to the left, because you are accessing your memory If you look up and to the right, you are accessing the creative center of your brain. If someone looks up and to the right, they are specifically about to fabricate something completely. If they look up and to the left, they are accessing that part of their brain. Subconsciously, like looking looking into their memory. That's literally what you're attempting to do. So it's a subconscious thing. You don't realize you're doing it. But as soon as you know that that's something you can look for... So you just looked up and to the left because you were trying to remember. If I was like, "Where were you last night?" and you looked up and to the right, I would know that you were about to create something. I mean, I know where you were. You were. You were. You were here. So hi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and that's the type of thing that Hannibal does. Like they even specifically say Thomas Harris specifically says in the novels his intelligence quota was not something that could be measured. In a traditional sense, like his like they didn't have a name for what he was like the closest they could call him was a sociopath, but he's not a sociopath like he's so much more high functioning like there's so much more to him. He's not simply like you can't. Oh, he's crazy. Is he's he, though? really
2: not crazy, though. I think that's what's so fascinating about this character is that he has all of these positives, all of these things going for him. And being a psychiatrist, he is fully aware of his one downfall, and it's the fact that he's a cannibal. But he knows, like, he can analyze himself. He knows exactly why he's a cannibal. It's, it's you know, satisfying this hole, so to speak.
0: And he even... Um He's the type of person who likes the finer things. Like, there is there is a, a, a scene in Hannibal where this guy gets killed, who was uh he was hunting deer Ill- uh, illegally because it was before deer season, and you see, uh like the evidence they find, which is why they think Hannibal is around, is because it's like he was trying to. Uh, f- Field strip the uh, the the carcass, and like you see, like these jagged, like like these jagged uh, cuts, and then all of a sudden, like the jagged cuts stop, and they're like perfect, like right where like the liver would be, and like the liver and the kidneys were gone. There were matching cuts in the hunter. But his liver was still there because he had cirrhosis, and Hannibal wasn't going to eat his liver because you could, see, you could see how diseased it was.
2: And one of the things that I appreciate about this character is the fact that he chooses his victims carefully,
0: based on. Uh, and I know I said we weren't going to touch much on the uh, on the TV show, but we get to see a little bit about that background, like you know someone was super rude to him.
2: Yeah, somebody somebody played the wrong notes. Well,
0: we'll get to that in <laughs> just a second. But somebody was super rude to him. Mm-hmm. And he had their business card and then later on it's like, "Oh, I need I'm having a dinner party." And he sets up this elaborate thing to get that person and then serve them for dinner. So the, the flute thing, the flutist thing that we see at the beginning of uh, Hannibal. So the head that Clarice Darling finds in the jar in the Rolls Royce, that's in the book. But they don't know who he is. They don't know the name. In Silence of the Lambs, they refer to him as Benjamin Raspail. And this is what happens when you try to adapt too many things too quickly. Benjamin Raspail was the name of the flutist from Hannibal. Benjamin Raspail was a flutist. He wasn't very good. He offended Lecter's senses because he liked going to the symphony, the Baltimore Philharmonic. Mm-hmm. And so Hannibal killed him for that reason and then served him to the symphony board at his uh, annual – or. Er, seasonal dinners that they would have. Yes. Um, And that was another reason why I didn't like um, I didn't like Manhunter because so one of the first cases that uh, Will Graham worked on was trying to catch the serial killer Garrett Hobbs who was killing college girls. Lecter helped bring him to justice in Manhunter they gave that backstory to Hannibal and said that Hannibal was killing college girls they turned like they made him a minor character which in Red Dragon he kind of was like he wasn't the focal point
2: Well, Red Dragon is more or less, like, it's obviously a a prequel to Silence of the Lambs, but it's more or less Will Graham's story.
0: It is. It's Will Graham's story. Hannibal is there, but Hannibal's like a tertiary character.
2: But I really like how they do set up for Silence of the Lambs.
0: In Red Dragon. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. Silence of the Lambs comes out in 1991. A decade later, we get Hannibal. The following year, we get the prequel. So it goes 2-3-1 in order of release as far as the source material goes. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to count Manhunter, 1-3-2-1. Which is kind of weird, but hey, it is what it is. So they had to kind of retcon a lot of stuff that happened, like in Silence of the Lambs when uh, they are first... Uh, we are. Fr- Hi, Bobby. Bobby, my cat, just jumped onto my uh, lap and chest. Um, when hey, we- Bobby,
2: what do you think about Hannibal Lecter?
0: She purred into <laughs> the microphone. That's riveting, she riveting radio. Uh, <laughs> so... When uh, Chilton,
2: she, th- she thinks he's perfect.
0: Yes, when Chilton is explaining uh, the safety procedures that they have in place for uh, for Hannibal to Clarice Starling, he is uh, describing to her um, a an incident that happened in April 1980 where Lecter complained of chest pains and his mouthpiece and restraint were removed. I'm getting hit in the face with a tail. Oh, my God, Bobby. Get down. Get down. Get down. Get down. Um, (laughs) His mouthpiece and restraint were removed, and when the nurse leaned over, he savagely attacked her, tore her face up, uh, and uh, like what Chilton said, managed to reset her jaw, more or less, save one of her eyes. His pulse never got above 85, even when he swallowed her tongue.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In Hannibal, we get to see this, except he was standing up, and she walked by him, and he lunged at her and devoured her face and landed on top of her, and when he was pulled off of her, uh, his arm was broken. The same arm that was broken when he tried to save his sister from being uh, killed and eaten. That was like a major thing that happened because uh, uh, it was brought up multiple times in, in Hannibal.
2: See, I didn't like Hannibal because I felt like it wasn't true to both the Hannibal character and Clarice Starling.
0: Um... The, and here's the thing. And there's I, a, I feel like the characters
2: were just really off in that film.
0: I didn't care much for the way the book ended, and I, I wasn't overly thrilled with um, the way it was kind of depicted in on screen. So, I love Ridley Scott, don't get me wrong. Uh and he's because he's the one who directed Hannibal. Uh Ridley Scott does an amazing job when it comes to uh you know, just cinematic uh especially like the different set pieces and you know, we saw we did it with The Martian, you know, the uh uh alien um he's able to take amazing cinematic set pieces and just make them look even better and you know, in fucking Florence, you know, with all the history and the art and the amazing architecture that's there. One thing I wish they would have included is when uh, the inspector, uh, Pazzi when he first encounters Hannibal Lecter, it is at an exhibit called The Atrocious uh, Torture. It's like atrocious, tortured event. They had Judas Cradles and Catherine Wheels and Iron Maidens, like all kinds of crazy shit, hanging starvation cages. And Hannibal's walking through, like, you know, there's naked ladies everywhere, you know, for a teenager. Like, it's it's his porn, you know, and he's just looking through it, like, oh, like remembering all the things that he's done. Because the way he was caught was he had... Uh, killed a victim and laced him to a pegboard exactly as a medieval illustration called Wound Man which was a single figure with multiple uh, injuries on him you know axes and arrows and burns and stabs and like all kinds of things and Hannibal had recreated it Will Graham saw the book that had that in it in his office and something on his face changed Hannibal knew that he knew, and he was like, oh, I'm just going to go outside and make a quick phone call. And he, as he went outside to make his quick phone call, Hannibal snuck up behind him in his socks and fucking from his uh, hip to his ribcage just shredded him, ripped him open. So way more savage than you see the attack at the beginning of Red Dragon. Way more savage. Like, it was... Fucking brutal. Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, you know, like this is him at his most uh, vicious and ferocious. And that's something that I think Anthony Hopkins definitely brings, like he radiates this danger about him.
2: Anthony Hopkins freaks me out. And it's because of his portrayal as Hannibal Lecter. Like to this day, watching certain scenes in Silence of the Lambs, I get chills he I can't watch him in anything else
0: what's funny is you know there are certain movies where he brings a little bit of that edge like the right where he plays a a priest who's performed exorcisms uh the edge
2: I mean I know that's not his natural speaking voice he was trying to uh, I believe that voice was a combination of his version of Truman Capote and Katherine Hepburn which, which is okay you wouldn't think
0: would be that terrifying but it's like
2: I but it, but it works and I know that's not his natural speaking voice and I know he's apparently a very delightful person but I just, I keep getting hung up on him as Hannibal Lecter and I can't see him as anything else and you know, one of the first things that he says when we meet him in the Silence of the Lambs is, you know, I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti
0: (laughs) and I'm just like, ah,
2: and I think the thing that makes that scene so effective is the fact that Jody. Foster had no clue. So Clarice Starling had no idea that he was going to do that. And and her reaction is like a real reaction to, to somebody who's seeing the... I can't even do it. Like, he must have some really good, like, intake. Like, well, spit intake. So
0: that scene, like, you know, everyone, you know, like you said, you're like, oh, this is what he said. But it was what led up to that, too. It was him looking at her and telling her what he saw. I think it's
2: okay, okay, go ahead. I'll let you finish, and then I'll say what I have to say. It's
0: him looking at her and telling her what he saw. And, like, this is something that he had done over and over again. Every time some academic came to visit him or see him or get inside his head or somebody thought that they were smarter than him because they were on the outside and he was on the inside, Every time someone came to him, he would send them away crying. Like, invariably, because of his ability to look at you and tell you what he saw. And it would cut them so deep. But she turns it right back around on him. Well, she was honest with him. Because she says, you see a lot, doctor. Why don't you turn that high-powered perception at yourself Write down what you see. Or maybe you're afraid to. And he stand, he looks at her, he walks over, puts the case file back into the sliding food tray, and in the closest thing that we see to anger from him, because he doesn't get mad, he doesn't raise his voice, except when he's calling her back, you know, after the, the MIGS incident, and he kind of forcefully shoves the food carrier back. And then he looks directly at her and says the census thing. So it's like there's this pause between what she said to him and his reaction to it. And I think that was like the real like strong moment. And at that point he was done with her because he said, you know, fly back to school now, little starling, because a starling is a type of bird. And so, as she's walking away, you have Miggs in the next cell, who flings his semen at her, and Hannibal, ever the very proper, for lack of a better word, he's a
2: gentleman.
0: Exactly, he
2: really is. The way that he conducts himself, like you know, he may eat people, but he also has a a moral code. He has a code of conduct that he well, follows. What does
0: what does uh? When when uh, in Hannibal, when um, when uh, Julianne Moore as Clarice is talking to Frankie Faison, who played Barney and was in all four adaptations, including Manhunter, he played a lieutenant, police lieutenant. Then he played Barney in the next three adaptations. She's like, you know, how? Why were you never afraid? He's like, I never thought he would come after me. She's like, why? He's like, because I was civil to him. She goes, there had to be more than that, and he's like, no,
2: no, no it was it was as simple as if you. ...are civil towards him and treat him with respect, he will reciprocate.
0: Right, and he won't eat
2: you. Because he has he has nothing against you. If you don't do anything, you know, if you don't have any malice towards him at all, you know, he's not going to want to seek revenge on you.
0: Right, he's, um, you know, like he said, he preferred to eat the rude. The free-range rude is what he called them, um... So there was uh this this respect, you know, and like Barney was taking mail order courses and he would actually late nights would have conversations with Hannibal, you know, for hours on end and Hannibal would help him learn and teach him.
2: And if you think uh if you think about it, so in the beginning before she meets Hannibal Lecter, she, uh, she referring to Cl- Clarice Starling, does call him Hannibal the Cannibal. But after she meets him, she will only refer to him as Hannibal Lecter, or Doctor. Dr- more, more often than yes. not, Doctor Lecter, because there's a respect there, and he starts to, you know, he has a respect for her, which is why she is never afraid of him coming after her. Because she never did anything to him. And
0: he specifically says, I have no plans to call on you, Clarice. I find the world's a much better place with you in it. Now be sure to extend me the same courtesy. And she's like, You know, I can't do that. And that's at the end of Silence of the Lambs. Well,
2: right. But he knows that that's her job, and he's not going to hold that against her. No. And he.
0: And this is where, like. As much as I wanted to know more about Hannibal and everything, there is some weird shit that goes on with her absolute need and desire to be accepted and to excel because her mother was a chambermaid and her father was a night watchman who uh, caught some kids stealing a TV. He short-shucked his shotgun, which means he didn't cock it all the way. They shot him. Uh, He died you know, a couple days later in the hospital. And Hannibal knows this, and, like, after the confrontation with Mason Verger, which goes very similar to how it is in the book, except he's not pushed into the pigs. Uh, his sister, who is a fucking massive bodybuilder, um, actually kills him with a moray eel, which, read the book and find out how that happens. Uh, the book ends with uh and i remember this line with him uh he's got paul krendler in paul krendler's uh lake house and he's cooking the brains and several several uh, inches of his brain have been removed but he's still conscious he's still talking because you know he's not completely you know well, I mean, out and, of and, it and
2: yet. that's actually true you can yes. lose parts of your brain and still be Relatively cognizant. There are people that have had
0: half of their br- like one hemisphere of their brain removed, and they are still able to function norm. Well, as normally as as one would. Um, and he says something to, about you know you always sounded like you know some you know country hick to me or whatever. And she says, "Let's see if I sound like Oliver Twist when I ask for more, you know, as in eat more of your brain." Mm-hmm. And the next line is. Hannibal could scarcely contain his glee. So he never showed emotion, whether it was happiness, sadness, frustration, anger, which is why he doesn't immediately react to people. He kind of waits a moment, composes himself, collects his thoughts, and then comes back with this scathing retort that just savagely cuts them down. Like he'd be awesome on one of those like, Yo Mama shows, you know, like that. Sh- <laughs> Do you remember that they had that on like MTV years ago? It was hosted by. Uh,
2: you talking about Nick Cannon show? Yeah, the- it
0: was like the Yo Mama jokes or whatever. Oh
2: fuck, I forget what it was called. And they I made never fun of it. it.
0: They made fun um, of it well, on. Oh, uh, was
2: it like Wild and Out or something like that? Was it
0: Wilmer Valderrama did one too?
2: I don't know, yeah. but they made fun
0: of it once on Saturday Night Live and like this one guy kept getting like he was they you'd have to like spin the wheel like a wheel of fortune and whatever the category was, you had to like come up with something on that. Jamie Foxx was the host of it. And this one guy kept getting stuff like your mama's so good at math, you know, and he couldn't come up with anything. Uh, your mom is so pretty. Yeah,
3: <laughs>
0: like everything he got was like positive. Um Yeah, so Hannibal drugs the shit out of her after exhuming her father's body so he could dress in his clothes that he was buried in to help her get through her daddy issues. And then, after eating Paul Krendler's brains, they fuck
2: See, I don't like that.
0: And she she lived with uh, Ardelia Map, who was her friend in uh, Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. They bought a duplex together, uh, Starling on one side, Ardelia on the other. And like they had an open door policy, they could both go back and forth. Uh, the only thing is, Ardelia, there, you you couldn't make a mess, like because Ardelia was like perfectly. Uh, perfectly neat and tidy and everything. Uh, and Starling was just cluttered with stuff everywhere because that's just her personality type. Um, and she ends up sending her a ring with their initials on it, an emerald ring with a note saying, I'm fine. Don't look for me. And Ardili was so fucking upset. Barney, after selling all of his uh Hannibal Lecter treasures made enough money where he wanted to go around the world and see every Vermeer painting and so he was traveling the world and he only missed out on one there was one that he missed because he was going to a museum they were having like this big gala and he looked over and there was a super fancy sports car because Hannibal likes his supercharged Jaguars that's what Hannibal liked to drive um, and he paid cash for them. He, he, so he looked I like, over... That's
2: not what was hidden in the Hester Moffat... No,
0: that was a Rolls Royce. Yes. Hannibal liked his big expensive... Flashy, like he makes a, a point when he goes to get all his dinnerware for the Paul Krenler scene. He's shopping at Hammock or Schlemmer. Like, I had no idea what any of this stuff was because I'm not fancy or cultured, so I had no idea what any of this stuff was uh, until they start getting into like bone saws. Bone saw is ready! <laughs> that would have been. That's from Macho Man and, and Spider Man. Uh, that would have been awesome if he said that right before he cut open Paul Krendler's head. Um, can you imagine Anthony Hopkins doing that?
2: No, <laughs> no, I cannot.
0: Bone saw is ready. Um, but yeah, he he likes his finer things, and so Barney is with this this woman that's uh, had been his traveling companion, and he goes, "We have to leave right now." And she's like, why? He's like, just don't look. Just right back in the car. We have to go. Because he saw Hannibal and Clarice Starling, who's now her hair is dyed, and he looks slightly different because he's like fucking 50 years older than her, uh, sees them, and it's like, if they see us or know we are here, we are so dead Mm -hmm. and eaten. So that's the only one he wasn't able to see. But he saw every other Vermeer in the world. See, I don't,
2: I don't like that. I, I don't, I don't, I don't like, like them together. I don't. I, I no, I, I like don't like
0: the fact that Hannibal fell in love with her. But the whole reason why Hannibal fell in love with her, because they get into this whole backstory about his sister, and he's watching a brief history of time over and over and over again, and he's doing all these advanced fucking calculations, and, you know, they. Thomas Harris makes a point to say that, you know, no one's in, you know. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but, like, nobody's in Stephen Hawking's class, but Hannibal's no slouch when it comes to fucking quantum mathematics and, you know, wanton, you know quantum neutrino fields.
2: Wanton. wanton? burrito <laughs> meals.
0: So that's the thing from Futurama. It's like, what class do you teach? Same class I always teach. The uh, theory of quantum uh, neutrino fields. And Fry's like... Wanton burrito meals. <laughs> uh, so like, I almost, and I almost said wanton burrito meals. But he's, he's going through all of these, uh, it was mathematics of quantum neutrino fields, not theory. And he is trying to come up with a way where Starling is his sister Misha... But not, but like her spirit's in his, It's it's a fucking whole weird thing, and he's like, "Oh, you're gonna take the place of my sister. Also, we're gonna bone, cause whatever." But he's able to trace himself That's back to the Marquis so de Sade. Weird. It's 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 weird. I don't.
2: Oh, I'm so kind of glad I didn't read that. I don't like that at all.
0: But like, I don't go, like that. I don't
2: like that relationship. It looks like the
0: end of Jaws. Like you know, just because the. Uh, the source is not that great doesn't mean that... And then Hannibal Rising, we're not even going to talk about because the movie is fucking trash and the book is fucking trash. Uh, you know, I feel bad because I really like Thomas Harris's writing. Red Dragon is fucking amazing. Sons of the Lambs, fucking amazing. Hannibal has a lot of good stuff in it, like when he's talking about the genetics of how they raised the, the pigs. And, you know, the the history of the Sardinians and, like, why they're the best kidnappers. And, you know, it's so good. It's so good on so many levels. Like, talking about, you know, the the level of detail where, you know, Hannibal is, you know, going you know, trying to become the curator of the Capone Library. And how he's, like, fucking this scholar on Dante Alighieri. Like, he's just he's it really illustrates how awesome this character is but then it's like and then they lived happily ever after it's like no that is That's not what clarice such would bullshit. do
2: bullshit yeah and i
0: don't like the fact like in that. the movie that hannibal cuts off his own hand if anything he would have cut off clarice's hand yeah because it's like you're already disgraced I mean, FBI like agent. But I
2: mean, like he's always about self-preservation, among uh, above everything else.
0: Because he is so smart and so uh, knowledgeable, and he's everything he does is kind of it's self-serving, but at the same time, it also has this societal. Uh, implication where it's like i am classy i'm not a regular serial killer i am high society like this is what i make like somebody referred to his food as a mousse bouche like like as as opposed to an appetizer
2: he uh can justify what he does and he feels that sets him apart from everybody else he's not sloppy about it he takes care with it you know, a lot of the times, you know, the people that he chooses as his victims deserve to be victims in his eyes. Yeah, they're someone who just, have it, you know, slighted
0: him. Uh, it's
2: not like, oh, was she a great big fat person? Oh,
0: wait, was she a great big fat person?
2: And why are we not talking about how fabulous Buffalo Bill's kimonos are?
0: He does have some great kimonos. He, he uh, some Thomas Harris has a thing for kimonos really because fabulous
2: uh, kimono francis
0: Dollarhide ran around in kimonos yes. a lot too and like that was his thing like he talked about kimonos all the fucking time um yeah it, it's it's really well done uh the character is just
2: well i mean here's there's something to be said about this character because anthony hopkins won an academy award for portraying dr hannibal lecter and The Silence of the Lambs, and he had less than 25 minutes of airtime.
0: It was the second, is screen time. Screen time. Second shortest uh, screen time for anyone who had ever been, uh, who had ever won an Oscar. 24
2: minutes and 52 seconds of screen time.
0: He also, uh, this was one of three movies, including what we just covered recently, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, that swept the uh, five major categories. Director, uh, picture actor uh, best actor best actress and adapted screenplay like and Thomas Harris who is uh, notoriously reclusive like sent everybody who won an Oscar a case of wine so another reason why you you should want to win an Oscar so Thomas Harris will send you wine
2: well well I, I feel like I would have to do something in in coordination with one of his projects.
0: I will say, uh, I was very interested. I, I know we haven't touched more uh, on, the, on the TV show, and we will in a future episode.
2: Yes, this is going to, we're going to have to revisit these episodes, and I mean, I, I will gladly watch. And here's the thing. Going into this, well not, not into this episode, but going into the television series, I didn't think anybody else could play Hannibal Lecter Aside from Anthony Hopkins, because he obviously he has done such an amazing job with it, Mads Mikkelsen it obviously plays it different, differently, uh, takes a slightly different approach with you know the character, and the character's mannerisms and the character's voice, and that's kind of where the differences begin and end. There's a lot of similarities, but there's um. I don't know. There's something just so visually appealing about Mads Mikkelsen's portrayal. Yeah, which you know, uh, unlike Anthony Hopkins' portrayal. So, and there's um, supposed to be like some time difference between. Oh yeah, the, it's the there's definitely so you can kind of say, okay, you know, if he is a good, you know, was a good-looking younger man. You know, with those attributes, Hannibal, it's easy. At the, it's easy to see why people would.
0: At the time of *Silence of the Lambs*, Hannibal had been in captivity for six years.
2: So, like the the difference between the two portrayals, like it's it's easy to see why people would kind of be entranced by who Hannibal Lecter is I mean, he's, with Mads portrayal. They betrayal. refer to him
0: as sleek. He has a sleek head. Like he's, you know, handsome. He's uh, but well. He's very kept. He calls. He refers to him. Ha- Thomas Harris refers to him as having fine features.
2: And one of the things I do enjoy about the television series is you get to see him a little more at home, behind the scenes. Yes. Preparing the meals. Mm-hmm. Nothing is vegetarian. Noth- oh. I have that shirt. Hannibal's <laughs>
0: Bistro. Nothing here is vegetarian. You
2: know, and and you get to see the care that goes into the preparation like he loves to cook and he loves to cook for other people he loves to share that love with other people he also loves to eat people so you know there's a there's a thing there but um, you know it's it's you can see him really just you know
1: the care kind he of takes.
2: engulfed in in something that he he loves yeah. Versus, you don't get to see that. You know, you get to see him play a little cat and mouse, which he also enjoys in you know Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal. But you know, you get to see him a little. Uh, you, get, you get a little more behind the scenes look of, of Hannibal and who Hannibal is in the television series.
0: Yeah, like you get a little bit, kind of like a peek behind the curtain. You know, uh, it, it acts as a prequel because we get to see his relationship with Will Graham. So it acts as a prequel to Red Dragon even mm-hmm. because we get to see, like the first case is the Garrett Hobbs case, which I think is fantastic. And, you know, we get to see up to the Mason Verger thing. We get to, and like it's tweaked slightly and um, we'll kind of wrap it up on on this note that the showrunners were trying to get the rights to Silence of the Lambs because that would have been season five. Fuck me. Which would have been amazing. So. um, I'm really sad that show
2: ended. I'm sad that it ended the way that it did.
0: I'm hoping someone picks it up for season I mean, like, I get
2: it because I'm sure it costs a lot to produce episodes like that, of that quality. Yeah, but now
0: with streaming services, they spend, you know, think about the, the fucking Irishman, how much that cost, you know? Yeah. HBO could pick this up, you know, like uh, or like Showtime did with Dexter, HBO with Game of Thrones or 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 uh, Westworld, you know, they could easily take that and cuz there wouldn't be a ton of CGI, like there was a lot of amazing practical effects that went into this. So, but we will we will be talking about Mads Mickelson's version of Hannibal and of course kind of touching again where the books uh, because a lot of the stuff Like, the lines are directly from the books, and they really stood out to me, and uh, I thought that was fantastic. So, uh, because we could just keep going on with Hannibal for, like, two hours, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we have a new battle, and uh, we will uh, have some more stuff to tell you. So, we'll be right back.
3: Hey there, this is J.B., and if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at talesfromthepodcast.com.
1: Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream.
0: (laughs) Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast. It's the greatest show in history. From the Dorking Network. Hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
1: Kill 14 people that we know of. You ever think he might come after you?
2: Mm, at least 30 seconds of every day.
1: Hello. Is this Clarice? Ah, oh, hello, Clarice. I've been in a state of hibernation some action Clarice. I need to come out of retirement and return to public life. I couldn't help noticing on the FBI's rather dull public website that I have been elevated to the more prestigious 10 Most Wanted List. Is this coincidence, or are you back on the case? If so, goody-goody. I have information about Anibal Lecter. <laughs>
3: Fantastic.
1: You're trying to catch him yourself, aren't you? He killed three policemen while in custody. Turn the face off one of them and he will kill you too. Are hey, you by any chance trying to trace my whereabouts? You naughty girl. I'm giving very serious thought To eating your wife Now then, tell me What did Migs say to you? Multiple Migs in the next cell he hissed at you. What did he say? He said, "I can smell your." See you, See you next, next Thursday. Thursday.
0: And we are back. So I hope you uh, found that that uh, that discussion on Hannibal Lecter both entertaining and informative, because uh, you know we certainly did.
2: Why um, is that song so good? Which one? Goodbye, horses. By like Q. Lazarus. I don't know. It, it really got, is though. Like it's a really good song.
0: It is. Uh, like I kind of want to know
2: what the decision, like who made that decision to probably use Ted that Tally song.
0: I don't know. I'm guessing. I just because Ted Tally adapted the screenplay. I mean, so.
2: obviously, you know, there's a lot of other really decent songs that came out around that time, or. You know, before I mean, that it's 1991.
0: Time. It could have been you know anything. It could have been you know fucking Guns and Roses. You know, Appetite for Destruction came out in
2: 1991. Yeah, but that. I
0: I know they use it it's for like, Terminator.
2: Yeah, but it's like it's the perfect
0: or Terminator Two. So,
2: like this, the scene—it's it, just—it just works so well. It's one of those mm-hmm. instances where you really can't imagine another song, a different song, being played at that time because that whole scene—it's just—it's so perfect. Maybe one other song.
0: Maybe one other song.
2: Is it right, said Fred?
0: Luck be a lady tonight.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, see, I feel like that. I feel like that's a little too on the nose. <laughs> You Dude know? looks
0: like a lady by Aerosmith.
2: Yeah, see again, <laughs>
0: uh. Lola. Mm. <laughs> again, a little too on the nose. No, but it's
2: just—it's just—it's just perfect. Like the—the the beat, the tone of it, everything just kind of fits that whole the, like the the, the build aesthetic up. Too. Yeah, it really yeah. fits the aesthetic of that scene. And I don't know why I like that scene so much. It's just—I I think it's because it's so disturbing.
0: It's unnatural. But,
2: like, it, but it's so disturbing, but yet, and this is going to sound so wrong, aesthetically pleasing at the same time, not what he's doing, but just, you know, like.
0: The way the music frames the scene and vice yes, versa. The way yes. everything that's going on, like the deep bass. And his bass.
2: robe. I love that robe. Like,
0: <clears throat> <clears throat> Yeah, the deep bass. Ugh. Yeah, and he's like trying to make himself look like a, a butterfly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Hannibal's one of my favorite characters and you know, I it really makes me want to read the books again, but like I've been packing away a lot of stuff because we have too much stuff. Um and I don't know where the books are, but um you know, going back again through the TV series will definitely be helpful, I think, too. But uh I really hope you guys enjoyed that cuz this is one of my favorite characters to talk about and I'm really excited to get back into the TV show. Because there's so much, there's so much more to the story that got built up in the show that you don't get to see. Uh, you know the relationship with Will Graham. You know so much of what Hannibal does outside of being in captivity. Mm-hmm. You know, like how he lived his life. You know the f- how much he liked the finer things. I mean, in those scenes with Jillian Anderson as his psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh,
2: yeah. It's uh it's really a bummer that there isn't going to be another season of this because when they ended it they ended it under the pretense that they were going to have another season to tell us, you know, tell more of the story. Yeah,
0: and it was going to be The Silence of the Lambs like so, they were going to do the si- and because uh, they, they were thinking you know, of Ellen Page. They
2: they left it rather open-ended, but at the same time like it's a it's a good season ender Mm -hmm. it's not a satisfying series ender no because you know they they just didn't they didn't have the opportunity to right it wasn't a planned right to, to, to wrap things up so I'm really hoping that you know obviously there are a lot of fans of this show out there and they've been really vocal with wanting at least one more season to kind of wrap things up and with the way that streaming services have really upped their game oh, i'd love to see hbo on, pick this up you know um <clears throat> television series have become Cause even you, more elaborate than film
0: and you have to remember like this was airing on broadcast tv yeah it was like nine or ten o'clock but yeah, was, this was
2: fucking cable TV. Like, it was pretty, like... No, not even,
0: ca- like, basic cable. Was, like, yeah. not USA, not, li- like, you know, CBS or ABC or one of those channels. Like, it was nuts what they got away with. You know, like, they really pushed the envelope for a show that couldn't be overly graphic or overly, like, sexualized, because there's a lot of, you know, nudity and stuff that's involved with a lot of these murders. Um it's it's a, it's impressive what they got so i think like a final season with like you know game of thrones type uh adult situations mm-hmm. fewer dragons yeah unless you count francis dollarhide uh still fewer dragons cuz there's only one and that's three but um but yeah
2: so It's a battle week.
0: It is a battle week. And seeing as it's a battle week, what does that mean?
2: It means we have to play the battle music.
0: Alright, so we have oh, not. <laughs> I will say this is a great song. It's uh called a Fatty Burrito by Teal involved an alpha on montage scene. I wasn't expecting it to play, but I closed this out, apparently not. So let's uh let's stop playing montage scene, uh a Fatty Burrito by Teal. So um uh, yeah, so that was the uh that was the uh battle theme. And this week we have the battle. Uh did you come up with a battle name? Or did you That was you, your job. Well, you know, I'm just so used to you doing it.
2: That uh, was your job. You had one job.
0: I have lots of jobs on Do this you show. Really? Yeah, Do you really? Yeah, producing the show. <laughs> like there's a lot of stuff that goes Easy into that. Easy peasy. All right, next week you produce the show and I'll come up with a battle name. How's okay. that? Okay. <laughs> So this is the uh uh crazy captivity carnival. We'll call it that.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: So basically this this week we are asking instead of voting for the most uh, your most favorite thing, we're going to ask you to vote for your least favorite. So of the following four characters, who would you least like to be captured by? And uh, who do you think you would have the least chance of uh, escaping from? So your choices are, of course, Hannibal Lecter, The Joker, John Kramer, a.k.a. Jigsaw, and The Collector from the movie The Collector and its sequel, The Collection. So there is no specific sandbox because it's just who would it could be your home like where would you who do you not want to be captured by the least like you don't want to be captured by any of these people but who do you think you would stand the least chance of escaping um i know who i'm gonna vote for because i think i have uh i have them ranked in my head I mean so, uh, one of them is an absolute wild card, the joker, like you never know what's going to happen with him. But you know, we'll uh we'll we'll see what the what the people decide. Uh slashes what do we got coming up?
2: Well, I have wine to talk about.
0: Yeah, that's we have wine talk coming up.
2: Yeah, lots of wine coming up. Yes. Cuz it's Sashtober.
0: It is Ashtober.
2: And tomorrow is the beginning of Ashtoberfest, which means that today is Ashtoberfest Eve.
0: Kind
2: of? Ashtoberfest is starting on Friday. Today is Thursday. It's Ashtoberfest Eve.
0: It's a 48-hour day.
2: (laughs) What are you talking about?
0: Well, you you know, because technically Ashtoberfest is... Your birthday, but
2: Ashtoberfest is the festivities that surround my birthday. We have been over this so uh, many times. You could. why can't you get this? You correct? surround
0: the entire month as festivities for your birthday,
2: right? But Ashtoberfest is the festivities uh, of the weekend. Festivity. I am a f- fucking festival delight.
0: You are a you are. am
2: festive and I'm delightful.
0: You would take so many tickets to win.
2: <laughs> and uh, you, would, you would have to play skee-ball <laughs> so many times <laughs> in order to you get enough tickets. You would have to cheat
0: at skee-ball yeah, in order to win.
2: Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. So, so many what's, tickets. What's your, all the tickets. What's your
0: wine choice this week?
2: So, keeping with the theme of today, we are going to talk about Da Vinci Chianti. So, I actually really enjoy Chianti. It's not something that I talk about too, too much. It's not a wine that I have frequently i can't remember the last time i had a a chianti the Um, dinner
0: party for the baltimore philharmonic
2: yes (laughs) Uh, but i really enjoy it and i actually really enjoy da vinci chianti i for i think i was out to dinner the first time i had this wine and I was eating a pasta dish and it it paired really well with it. So, Da Vinci Chianti is a well-balanced wine of medium weight with jammy flavors of ripe plums, cherries, and red fruit. It has a deep crimson color and is a lively wine with a soft mineral finish and round tannins that linger in long peppery finish this wine pairs perfectly with all starters pastas and meat dishes and is best served when slightly below room temperature around 64 degrees fahrenheit and uh, it's really good <coughs> like it has like a really nice um like that deep berry so you know some things are, are kind of like a lighter berry like a uh, like a strawberry or a blueberry frankenberry um, or a frankenberry <laughs> a blueberry um you know forward this is a, a a deeper fruit so you're talking like cherry and you know blackberry um plummy uh f- you know on the on the Beginning of your, you know, on the top of your palette. And then it has like a really nice, slightly smoky, peppery finish. um Not as harsh as a Tuscan can be, because uh, Tuscans can be super like spicy and smoky on the back of your palette. I enjoy those as well. Um, but it's, it's light. It's a lighter finish, but that's why it pairs so well with. Heavier dishes. You know, typically with heavier dishes, sometimes you want a lighter wine. But it pairs really well with these heavier dishes, like pasta dishes and different meats and stuff, because it adds, like, a little extra to the flavor of it.
0: It also pairs well with uh, Chianti, uh, fava beans and liver.
2: Chianti pairs well with Chianti. It does. You have two
0: glasses. Yeah. Um,
2: One one in each hand. Yes.
0: Uh, And it's funny that that is what he describes as eating because uh, if you are taking an antipsychotic medication, that would be a lethal combination because of the specific chemicals uh, uh, that are in that combination of food uh, would counteract the, uh, the, the antipsychotic that you were taking and could be uh, fatal. So my science fact Uh, because, again, we're going to be sticking with a theme uh, in the field of psychology, which Hannibal Lecter does not consider to be a science. Uh, There is a phenomenon known as the Dunning-Kruger effect, and I want you to listen to the definition about this, and I want you to think if this reminds you of perhaps someone you know or maybe someone you might have seen on TV... The Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias in which people with low ability at a task overestimate their ability. It is related to the cognitive bias of illusory superiority that comes from the inability of people to recognize their lack of ability. Without the self-awareness of metacognition, people cannot objectively evaluate their competence or incompetence. So if, say, someone were to continually say that they know more than the people that surround them, like, say, I don't know, doctors or generals, like they know more about medicine than the doctors around them, or they know more about uh, you know wartime strategies than uh, the generals that are around them, or no matter what they do, they're always doing a great job because they're so much better and smarter than everyone else.
2: Why are you talking about me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> when was the last time you said you were better than your generals? Not once! You will rely on their counsel. Um, but yeah, so just throwing that out there. Also, um, vote. So... Uh, not that those two things are at all related. Just saying, just saying that you should you should vote for someone who doesn't have Dunning Kruger. Um,
2: but anyways, what's coming up on the next episode of Throwdown Thursday? Oh
0: my goodness, we're going to be discussing uh one of our favorite movies, certainly one of my favorite movies from uh, childhood. And a documentary about that movie, which comes out in a couple of weeks, with one of the stars of the movie and documentary. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, we will be chatting with Andre Gower from The Monster Squad, discussing the new documentary... Wolfman's Got Nards. That's exciting. I am so pumped for this. Um, I got a chance to talk with Andre a couple months back on the Indie Creator Spotlight show, and he was talking a little bit about uh, Wolfman Got Nards, and he was waiting for distribution. It comes out on the 27th of October.
2: That's perfect for spooky season.
0: Absolutely perfect for spooky season. So the uh, episode uh, will drop On, uh, what day? Where's my calendar? On the 22nd. And you'll get to hear a little bit about it and find out, you know, what's kind of involved with the Blu-ray and whatnot. So you can pre-order yours and have it delivered to you right when it comes out on that day. So you can watch it. Uh, you can, it's going to be able to be streamed. We're going to have all that information for you. We're super excited. Um, it's going to be a good time. So I think with, uh, Unless you have anything else you want to talk about? I'm hungry. I am too. Let's go eat spaghetti.
2: (laughs) Spaghetti. (laughs) You can pretend they're worms.
0: It's (laughs) baschetti.
2: It's (laughs) baschetti. It's not baschetti. It's worms.
0: So I think with that being said, (laughs) we we will see you next next Thursday. Thursday.